My What's name is Hannah, and, and how I'm old are you? four. And why is Jesus better than anything else? Because he's God. Being a kid isn't easy. You know you're supposed to be good, and sometimes you feel like you're doing a great job. But then the next minute, you do something wrong again. That's why we need Jesus, and to remember the good news of the gospel every day. Not just the part about when Jesus came to earth, but God's rescue plan from before he even created the world, and the hope of living with him forever, so that we can see through every story in the Bible why Jesus is better than anything else, and why he wants you to join him. Look what I drew. Oh, hey, Finn. And hello, boys and girls. Glad you could join us on another episode of the Jesus is Better podcast. Wow, Finn. It looks like you drew some more pictures to tape to your other ones. There's Abraham and the starry sky. And is that Abraham almost sacrificing his son Isaac? Yep, and this is Jacob with his 12 sons. And Joseph's cool-colored coat. And all these circles. And the two or three million people that were born. Because it would have taken too, too long to draw them all. And is that the blood on the doorpost? When God brought the final plague that caused Pharaoh to let the people go? Yeah, and here's God splitting the Red Sea. And giving people bread from the sky. To eat in the desert. Wow, God sure has been showing how much he cares about those Israelites. Now, Finn, I want you to get your imagination ready and close your eyes. You can do this too, girls and boys. First, I want you to imagine that you are an Israelite. Does that mean I'm a human too? Uh, yeah. Do you have your rope belt tied up tight? Is your donkey behaving? You've just escaped slavery in Egypt and are now in the desert. Are you thirsty? God brought you and your family through the Red Sea and all those Egyptians were drowned. Now that you're on the other side of the sea, you look out and all you see is vast desert and wilderness. But you remember that God has promised, had promised Moses that there would be a land that God had set aside for your people. How would you be feeling? What would you be thinking? I've been wanting a big drink of water and probably wondering how I was going to get to my new home with all that desert in it between. Fish out is so much easier because we always get to be in the water. I don't think I'm going to be an Israelite at all. I'm not sure either, because now that we have God's word, we're able to see how a lot of those puzzle pieces of God's plan fit together. But the Israelites only could see part of the puzzle. They didn't know what would happen next. Could they trust God to provide for them? Let's see what happens. When the Israelites were led out of Egypt... God ministered to them by his presence, provision, and protection. God wasn't going to let them die in the desert. 
He revealed himself to them through his works and words. Last week, we learned about some of his works. Like saying that bread from the sky and making water come out of a rock. Right. God told the Israelites that if they kept his covenant, Israel would be his treasured possession. After God showed them his works, he gave them the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, his words. You can read through them in Exodus chapter 20 with your parents. Oh, I remember some of them. They weren't supposed to make idols or have any other gods or kill people or one more other people had or lie or steal. And they're supposed to honor their moms and dads. But why would God give the Israelites laws instead of just letting them do their own thing or telling them to be good? He knew a lot better than them how life works best. If someone does get to take something they wanted from someone else. Good point, Finn. Because God made them in his image, he also didn't want Israel to create idols. God gave the law, the moral law, how to do good and keep from doing bad, ceremonial law, how to give offerings and sacrifice to the Lord, and civil law. If someone did something against the law, God told them how to handle it. But he also gave them grace. He set the standard because of his holiness, and the offerings were an act of grace so that they could approach God. In Exodus 19, God gave them his promise and the offering rules so that he could live with them. But in Exodus 32, While Moses was getting the instructions for the tabernacle, which was God's holy tent where they were supposed to bring their offerings, Israel made a golden calf, saying, This is the God who did these things for you. What a terrible idea! Israel rebelled and God almost wiped them out. But because God is righteous, just, and gracious all at the same time, he didn't kill them all. God punished the Israelites, but he gave them abundant grace through the tabernacle and continued to live with them. But God couldn't dwell in a sinful place. That's why there had to be a tabernacle, a holy sanctuary for a holy God. Look, Finn, here's a drawing of what it might have looked like, and I'll put it on my website, aliciayoder.com, so that the boys and girls can see it too. God continued to provide for the Israelites through water, manna, and his laws. But the Israelites continued to complain each time they couldn't see how they were going to have enough water or food or protection, and God sent some punishments. When Israel left Egypt, they weren't wandering in the wilderness. They were preparing for their time in the promised land. What happened in Numbers 13 and 14 changed all that. Did God quit leading them? Or did they give them a map and they got confused? (laughs) When they arrived in a place called Kadesh Barnea, Moses sent 12 spies to explore the land that God had promised to the Israelites. 
But the Israelites' hearts were full of rebellion, and ten of the spies came back to the camp and turned the hearts of the people against Moses. Would you read Numbers 13, 27 to 28, Finn? Sure, the spies gave Moses their report. They said, we went into the land you sent us to. It really does have plenty of milk and honey. Here's some fruit from the land. But the people who live there are powerful. Their cities have high walls around them and are very large. Even some members of the family nine of a neck. But then Caleb interrupted the men speaking to Moses. He said, we should go up and take the land. We can certainly do it. There were only two spies who wanted to obey God. The other faithful spy was named Joshua. He and Caleb told the people that the land was very good and that if the Lord was pleased with them, he would lead them into the land. They said, But don't refuse to obey him and don't be afraid of the people of the land. We will swallow them up. The Lord is with us, so nothing can save them. Don't be afraid of them. Instead, the people talked about killing Joshua and Caleb by throwing stones at them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tabernacle. God wanted to destroy them, but Moses pleaded on behalf of God's name. God pardoned Israel, and he repeated his promise that the earth will be filled with his glory. But forgiveness is not the same as being free of sin's consequences. God's character was right to punish them. Was that when they had one in the desert? Yep, they had to endure 40 years of wandering in the desert. But God still provided manna and didn't take away his presence or provision. But the fullness of God's glory was put on hold as they wandered in the desert. During their wandering, an Israelite named Korah rebelled against Moses and Aaron, and 14,700 people were put to death. Another time, Moses was prideful when he hit the rock to provide water for the people. He was punished by not having permission to live in the promised land. God would not give his glory to another. A while later, in Numbers chapter 20, when all of the Israelites had grown up and had kids of their own who grew up, those people began to grumble too, and God caused a plague of fiery serpents to break out in the camp. They had to look upon a bronze serpent and believe in God to be saved from death. Are fiery serpents like moray eels? That's so scary. In the book of Deuteronomy, God gave three speeches through Moses to that new generation of Israelites. They hadn't heard the laws that God had first given to Moses. Before Moses died, God allowed him to look on the promised land. Finally, the wandering had come to an end. God chose Joshua to take Moses' place and prepare the Israelites to be led into the land that God had promised. 
How do you think you would feel if you were a child who had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and now were 50 years old and ready to go into your homeland? Well, I couldn't imagine ever being that old. But I probably want to swim, I mean run, as fast as I could into it. That faithful spy Joshua was called to lead the people after the 40 years of wandering. As soon as they arrived in the land, the manna stopped coming because the people were now going to be able to grow their own food. God used Joshua to conquer the land of Canaan, the promised land. He sent spies into the city of Jericho, and they were protected by a Gentile woman named Rahab who feared the God of Israel. As a result, she and her family were saved when the city was defeated. She was one of the Gentiles who became part of the line of promise when the Messiah, the Rescuer, would come. Jesus, but she wasn't even an Israelite. God brought all kinds of people into his promise, Finn. God conquered Jericho and Ai, the central kingdom first, the south, second, and then the north. God showed his power by sending deadly hailstones on Israel's enemies and even made the sun stand still for Joshua during one of the battles. Do you think that God's protection and defeating the enemies would make Israel want to serve God? I'd sure wanted him to be the one in charge of protecting me. It took seven years to conquer the land that God promised, and 18 to 19 years to spread out and divide the land between the 12 tribes. The 12 tribes were Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Ephraim, and Manasseh. They lived in the land by building houses and planting gardens. The land promise was finally fulfilled. The Israelites were commanded by the Lord to destroy the Canaanites when they began occupying the land. God did not want the people to turn away from him and serve other gods. Do you remember the four things that God had promised to Abraham lots and lots of years before? Um, lots of people, and a land to live in, and what else? A nation and a blessing. They finally have their own land and people, but their nation isn't quite established yet. Let's see if that will happen, and God gives his blessing. After Joshua died, the people rebelled against the command to destroy the Canaanites and instead embraced them and their gods. The book of Judges is referred to as the Dark Ages because the Israelites worshipped idols right alongside the Canaanites and even sacrificed babies. No, how could they do that? They were definitely not ready for the blessing yet. They were caught in a cycle of sin. When they began to sin by not destroying the Canaanites, intermarrying with the people and worshiping their idols, God sent an enemy to attack them. God used evil people to judge Israel. In their distress, they remembered God and repented. 
God then sent a deliverer to rescue them and lead them into a time of peace. We can see those things in the story of Gideon, who was a judge called by God to defeat the people of Midian. When the people of Israel did what was evil in God's sight, he let them become slaves to the Midianites. They cried out to the Lord, and he raised up Gideon. God used Gideon and 300 other men to confuse and destroy the Midianites. As a result, the Israelites experienced a time of peace for 40 years until they again did evil in the sight of the Lord. The judges only came to certain tribes, only came at certain times, and didn't lead the people forever. When the Israelites forgot the Lord, the cycle would start all over again. The period covered 336 years, and during that time, God sent 13 judges, and Israel went through seven major cycles of sin. The people did what was right in their own eyes, and there was not a king to rule over them. But God is supposed to be their king. You're right, and God was going to preserve a godly remnant, a small group of people. In one tribe of Israel, there was a man who married a Moabite woman named Ruth. She feared God, and when her husband died, she traveled back to Israel from Moab with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Ruth left her people and gods and ended up marrying one of Naomi's relatives named Boaz. She eventually gave birth to Obed, who was the grandfather of David. And do you know who King David was the ancestor of? Oh, I remember Jesus. Can I talk about him yet? We'll get there, Finn. But what did we get to learn about God from these stories today? God was kind of like the Israelites' mom and dad, taking them food and give him a nice place to live and help them when they got into trouble, even though they kept pretending they were different parents. Can I draw my pictures now? <laughs> it's time for you to get back on the aquarium bus today. But why don't you bring your pictures next week, and we can tell the boys and girls about them. Okay, Miss Alicia, take care, polar bear. Oh, and just another reminder for you parents, that if you'd like your child to help me out with an intro for an episode, just hop on my website, aliciayoder.com, A-L-I-C-I-A-Y-O-D-E-R, and click on my picture. Just let me know you're interested on the contact form, and I'll let you know how to do it and where to send the recording. Talk to you next time. Talk to you next time.